Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, sports fans. This is Tom Tolland and the host chair this week for WRSP's Weekend Sports Huddle. We also have Dave Holcomb waiting to make his entrance. We're not going to have Hunter Hodes this week. Unfortunately, Hunter got caught working. Uh, real life interferes with, uh, with the toy store as far as uh, the way you know, sports are looked at. Uh, love to have Hunter. We'll have him back next week. And, yep, as I say, plenty of uh, business to take care of today. We got uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins fell short of their attempt to win a third straight cup, lost in six games to the Washington Capitals, and the Capitals moved on to face the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in the conference finals. Andrew McCutcheon, we've had plenty of conversation about him over the past uh off season, standing ovation, very warm welcome from the fans in Pittsburgh uh, returning uh, with the San Francisco Giants uh, and making his first appearance in Pittsburgh since the trade. And we're going to come back to Chicago Cubs and White Sox, began the Wrigley Field portion of their Crosstown Classic, uh, began that last night. We'll go into that and to look at the two teams and where they're at right now. New Darvish hit the 10-game disabled list. Soap opera goes on because this is not because of arm problems. Uh, a lot of other things going on with you. So that's all coming up on WRSP's Weekend Sports Huddle. We want to invite you to enjoy, to join the conversation. Give us a call, 516-387-1417. Or you can get us at our Twitter handle, WKD Sports Huddle. If, you know, you're a little too shy to come on the radio with us, but we would love to have you here. Uh, and at this moment, I'm going to bring in my co-host. I think this is the first time Hunter's missed a show since he's been on the air with us. But uh, we're going to go down to Atlanta for Mr. Dave Holcomb. Dave, how you doing? Good, Tom. How are you? I'm actually up in... Uh, the the uh, rural Connecticut this uh, this weekend for um, my girlfriend's uh, graduation party. So I'm 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 away oh, from hot okay. Atlanta for now. So graduating uh, what high school? Junior high? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, junior high. Okay. You're right, junior high. Uh, okay. No, uh, uh, vet school. Vet school. Four years of vet school. Uh, is complete. She's very happy to be done. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I don't blame her. Congratulations to her. Um, so I'm glad to hear. You know, glad to hear the things went well. You're up there for the graduation party. Should be a lot of fun. So, uh, before we start, this show is brought to you by author Marco Sacchio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. You know, this is the kind of show where missing Hunter is, you know, where where he would have had a lot to contribute because uh, I know he's got a lot of fan takes and writer's takes on uh, the Penguins, uh, their failed attempt to win. Uh, three straight cups fell short. Uh, would have been the first to put a Stanley Cup streak together since the Islanders won their fourth straight in 1983. And that just tells you how difficult it is to put a cup streak together anymore. Um, you know, that's what is it, 43 years now. So, you know, these days it's just impossible to do. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I guess you're not counting two in a row as a streak. 
right? Three in a row has to you be know, a streak. Is that is that the definition? Yes, that, that's been done a couple of times. The two in a row in the salary cap era, right? But it seems, mm-hmm. seems like three in a row has just been out of reach of everybody. Um, it, it's just you know the way things go these days. You know you're you're under a strict cap. Um, you play a lot of hockey uh, going to the finals every year, and I think that's right. what yeah. you know what what the Penguins ran into. Um, you know back back in the day, 1983 it was a 21 team league, and mm-hmm. that you know that makes a difference too. Uh, didn't have quite as as long of a role through the through the playoffs as you do now. Because everything is a seven-game series. So, you know, I, I just – I really wonder it, – it's going to take a really special team to win three in a row again. You know, I thought it was pretty big when the Blackhawks won three in six years. Right, um, yeah. You know, and they only missed Stanley Cup finals in 2013 – they lost in overtime in seven games to the Los Angeles Kings. So, you know, they came close too. But, you know, that's the thing. You're putting a lot of hockey, you're putting a lot of miles on that body by the time you get through with a, a Stanley Cup Finals. Three months later, you're back in training camp. I, I'm not sure we're ever going to see three in a row again. Um you know, Blackhawks, Penguins, these were two teams that had a, a real shot at it, and they, and they fell short. And, um, I, I, and I still think what the Penguins were able to accomplish and what the Blackhawks were able to accomplish before them um, were, were quite amazing. I think in the modern day, they're, they're the dynasties, the dynasties of the last decade, um, and maybe still fighting out, you know, the end of the decade, uh, who, who who's had the better – decade um i don't think and i i think that's maybe the first point i want to make and and probably something that hunter wanted to bring up and uh he used the verb that everyone at least in the media is acting like the penguins got 1993 and uh i think if you're a penguins fan you know that reference that was the first time the penguins were going for three in a row they were president trophy winners in 1993 the only time uh the penguins have won the president's trophy they've won you know, five Stanley Cups, but there was only one year where they had the most points, best record, best regular season team in the league, and it was a year they didn't win the Cup. 1993, they were going for the three-peat. They set the record that year for most consecutive wins at the end of the season. They were hot going into the playoffs. It wasn't a case of, you know, a great regular season, but they were kind of they peaked too early. That, that team did not peak too early. They They were peaking at the right time. And they were upset in the second round, similar to uh, what just happened. Um, a, a loss yeah. in the second round, anyway. And uh, a, a, the last game was a loss at home in overtime, both both in 93 and, and in 2018. But, but that, those two things, that's really where the similarities end, Tom. Because the Capitals, I don't want to say they were favored in the series, but... but they were they were not the '93 Islanders. '93 Islanders were a pretty Cinderella team. This this Capitals team has been good for a long time. Back to back Presidents Trophy winners the last two years, and, and this is a case of them finally breaking through. Uh, and they've been a very worthy opponent the last couple of years. And and finally they 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 get their day in the sun. Is kind of the way I view it. I I look at it. I was gonna have a. Uh, a history lesson for Hunter. This, if I was alive in the seventies, <laughs> I think it would remind me more of nineteen seventy six, when the Steelers had being chips in seventy four, seventy five, and they were playing the Raiders for the third year in a row. Capitals Penguins third year in a row, and finally the Raiders had beaten the Steelers in seventy six, and they won their Super Bowl. To me, that's actually more of what mm-hmm. it is um, than 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 nineteen ninety three. And uh, for, for a, I don't want to call out any media people. You know, we're we're all in this together, as you know, Tom. And you never know who might offer you a job. That was something I wanted to tell Hunter. Uh, you're, yeah. you're you're trying to break into this business. You don't want to come on here and rip media people you disagree with. Um, but I, I do think it's a little ridiculous that uh, 
that they're acting. There, there was one headline in particular that was that the Penguins are going to take this loss to their graves. Really? I, are, yeah, I saw that. You know, aren't they going to take the back-to-back championships to their graves? Um, you know, there's there were certain media people that were acting like this this was 1993 that this is the end of the run. And imagine writing that headline in in, in 1976 that the Steelers were going to take the fact that they didn't win three in a row to their graves. Um, well, they went on to win two more Super Bowls. And right. I'm not saying the Penguins are going to win back to back again, but but they're going to be competing for it. And, and that's all you can ask for. They are going to be there competing uh, for another championship. And, and uh, to, to write a headline like that, uh, I thought it was an overreaction. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't believe that headline when I read it too. Um, I forget who he was comparing. Oh, no. He was comparing the, the loss to the, and, and, drawing uh, parallels to Herb Brooks and his 1980 Olympic hockey team uh, that beat the Soviet Union and mm-hmm. how Brooks said, you're going to take this to your grave. And, you know, it, it's not quite the same thing yet. You've already won two straight cups. And, you know, they play hard. I mean, they, they didn't just lay over and die. Um, they're right. going to look back on this season and say, you know, we gave it our best shot. We did fall short. And, and that's the way it goes. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, was probably, that, that was probably the most ridiculous of the, of the uh, takes that I saw about, you know, about this uh, Pittsburgh uh, Penguins loss? I think somebody had, I forget who it was now. I think it was someone on NBC. It might have been Jeremy Roenick, but don't don't quote me on that. Somebody also brought up the the gold medal game uh, for, for the U.S. And um, I think it was in relation to uh, the Capitals, actually. And I guess this is unrelated to the Penguins. But maybe it was somebody on ESPN, actually. But um, they, they made the point that, you know, the Capitals um, haven't, you know, they, they haven't done anything great yet. You know, they, they sure, they beat the Penguins, but they need to go on and win the Stanley Cup. And I would agree with that. But his point was that nobody would have remembered the USA-Soviet Union game if, if the U.S. hadn't gone on to beat Sweden. And I'm shaking my head because they didn't beat Sweden. They beat Finland. So clearly you don't remember. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that, I think if I'm remembering correctly, that that was a a take related to the Capitals and not the Penguins. But I guess it goes to show you that there's media people out there that, uh, you know, they're trying to come up with these interesting takes and sometimes they miss and sometimes they miss very badly. Yeah, um, yeah, it was an interesting angle, but you know, once you get done, once you start getting into it, you got to see that you know you're really stretching to make this comparison. And what and, else are you well, hearing well, I, though? Out of go ahead. I just wanted to make one more point about uh, the reaction. I thought the fan reaction was was spectacular. They, they they gave the Penguins a standing ovation. They stood for the handshakes. They chanted, let's go Pens, after they lost. I was expecting the fans to react this way, that, oh, my God, we lost, trade everyone, uh, this team stinks, and, and forget all about the last two years. And it, and it was the opposite. The media seemed to forget about that. And, and the fans on Twitter that I interacted with, I'm sure not every fan is, is acting this way, um, but the fans that I follow on Twitter, the reasonable fans, I guess, um, and the fans that were in attendance for the game all seemed to react very, very well. I was kind of surprised um, that, that how, how well they've taken the loss and, and just happy that um, they had the last two years. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that because, you know, this team has given a lot to the fans, I believe. Um, you know, they played a lot of exciting hockey. And, you know, they, they – it's interesting that 
you know, you got to give the Capitals credit for regaining their composure after the uh, uh, Game Four loss, when uh, it looked like mm-hmm. things might be falling apart. They, you know, Tom Wilson was, you know, going hitting his first game of his suspension, and it looked like the the Capitals might be, you know, pretty much done for the season because of uh, the adversity and came back and won. So. Yeah, you can look at it one of two ways. Yeah, I mean, the Penguins did fall short, but the Capitals really showed a lot of heart in coming back in the final two games to be able to do what they did. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think Penguin fans were disappointed, or 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 Penguin beat writers were disappointed that uh, they blew a lead in game three. They blew a lead in game five in, in a lot of ways the first two periods of game five was the best they played the whole series and they didn't win that game. Um, and to me that, that spelled trouble because you played so well for two periods and then you couldn't hold mm-hmm. that lead in game five. Um, that was not a good sign heading into the last two games. Um, but that happens, Tom, right? I mean, you're not going to win every game you have a lead in, in the third period to expect to win every game you have in the third, you have a lead in the third period is, is unrealistic, um, and uh, I, uh, so I, I think it's a little bit of an entitlement or, or something like that to expect. Oh well, the Penguins. I mean, they blew this because they had leads in the third period. Well, you don't always hold those leads. You can't you can't take that for granted. Uh, the Penguins erased a Capitals lead in the third period in Game One, so that very easily could have been mm-hmm. a Capitals win. They stole two games a little bit later in the series, and and I. Absolutely give Washington all the credit. I think they won this series. I thought they were the better team. I was very impressed with the way they played in game six on the road. They're now six and one on the road this postseason after last night's win. So road warriors, an incredible run for them so far. And, and uh, you know, I think they're going to give the Lightning a tougher time than we all initially thought. Yeah, definitely. Because I really thought the Lightning were the better team. I didn't expect – Washington to show as I don't know, show as well against Tampa and you know maybe we're underestimating this Washington team, I don't know and that's based on, well as Hunter would say history, you know, they've never done it before, well you right. know, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything to it this year, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly right. And, you know, so, the other thing about about the Capitals moving forward, Tom, is they've always had so much pressure on themselves because they they can't get out of the second round. They're President's Trophy winners. They're favored to win. They're playing Pittsburgh. Well, they beat Pittsburgh, and, and they're, they're beyond the second round now. Does that pressure alleviate in the locker room? I think it does a little bit. Maybe they're playing yeah. a little bit freer, and they're, and they're playing up to their full potential, unlike they've done in, in previous right. postseasons. So that could be a factor, and, and they could be a real handful for Tampa. Well, you know, just speaking from a Blackhawks fan standpoint, they had the same thing going on when the Detroit Red Wings were in the Western Conference. Um, it always seemed like the Blackhawks could not get past the Red Wings. And, you know, that was that was the team that, that the Hawks always uh, ran up against. And, and finally he had to beat to be able to get their first Stanley Cup and came back from a 3-1 deficit to win that series. And I think it proved to the Blackhawks players that they were finally, you know, at a point where, you know, we can do this. We're, you know, we, we've, we've taken that big step forward, and, and now, you know, we're the team to beat. We can do these kind of things and and gave a lot of confidence to their, their game, and I think the Capitals are seeing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, even you get a lot of confidence beating your rival, and you get a lot of confidence beating back-to-back Stanley Cup champions too. That's a factor. Right. Yep. So let's see. One other thing I wanted to uh, bring up about this: uh, looking at ESPN, I uh, was looking at some stories. And this came out a couple of days ago. And it says Pittsburgh general manager Jim Rutherford said that 
there will be changes this offseason. Um, what kind of changes do you think they could be making or have in mind, especially keeping the core of the team together? Because I don't think the core of the team is is fantastic and is ready to to continue moving forward and can make another run. I think they're going to make another run, and, and I, I think uh, the media is kind of jumping on that quote and um, using it as a way to write some, again, um, kind of out there takes and, um, you know, to, to get some attention on, on the, the, on the internet and, and uh, some page views, but uh, major changes, Tom, um, because like you said, uh, the core of this team is, is pretty strong. Um, the, the, the core, they're in their prime. So, could they trade a guy like Carl Haglin? Perhaps he's in, he's entering his last season on his contract. Um, you know, you you could get something for him instead of letting him walk next year. But I mean, yeah, if Haglin is a real difference maker when he's healthy. He had a great second half of the season. Why would you? I mean, mm-hmm. what are you going to trade him for that is going to help you win next year? And that again is still the Penguins' goal: win next year. So if if they don't get anything for Haglin that's going to help him immediately, I don't see them trading him. Uh, Derek Broussard did not fit at well at, at all, um, and he still he's he wasn't a rental. He's got one year left as well. Could they trade him and not let him walk? Again, perhaps, mm-hmm. but he was injured. I, I, I think he they it didn't reveal what his injury was, but reportedly it was something very hard to play hockey with. There's some speculation it was a groin injury. I would expect them to keep him as well, and at least for the beginning of the season, see how October, November goes. If he's still struggling, right. then you you reassess. But I think he's going to start the season with the Penguins. Um, I guess the other two Dave, big we, ones we, are. Oh. Oh, sorry. I was about to say we do have a call. Let's let's get a caller on the okay, air yeah, real yeah. quick and uh, absolutely see what they have to say. Uh, caller, you are on the air. You're live on Weekend Sports Hub. You don't know this number. You don't know this number. You should feel shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I knew the number. I knew the number. Oh. It's it's a West Virginia you? number, right? Stop yeah. it. Stop. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, it's a West Virginia number. The West Virginia number, so, yeah. I thought it had to be right. Hunter Hody joining the show about 25 minutes in, a little bit late, but man, he got here. Yeah, I'm on here for a few minutes. I'll have to go back to work. I stepped out for a couple minutes. Okay. Um, well, we're just finishing off some takes on the Penguins. And... Go ahead, Dave. Dave had a good take. I was going to say, Hunter, you called it. You called it a perfect time to weigh in on what changes are going to be made, you know, to the Penguins. And I'm, I'm basically saying that there aren't going to be any major changes, but I'm going through some possibilities. What do you expect? What, what changes would you make to the Penguins roster? Uh, well, quite, I think um, uh, they'll probably make some tweaks. I think uh, some of the Pittsburgh media, man. I really think that, well, they could trade Phil Kessel. They could trade Crystal Tank. No, they're not going to do any of those things. It's just, you don't blow a team up after three, like, amazing. The best three years this team has had since uh, 90, since the 90s, honestly. That would be kind of stupid. Um, I think they could potentially dangle Connor Sherry. Uh, he makes $3 million per year if they want to get something in return for him. I don't know what his value is, considering he had another not-so-good playoffs. Um, you could trade Carl Haglin, but I don't think I would, honestly. I know he makes $4 million, but uh, I think I think he's he makes the team just so much faster, which is which is what I really like. Well, he's he's echoing what I said, Tom. Um, I was just go, about yeah. to get to Latang and, and, and Phil Kessel, and what was interesting coming out of the, the locker room clean-out day, there's some drama around Kessel. Uh, and we should bring that up. Um, Kessel was not okay. there to talk to the media. Uh, so we, we still don't know what was wrong with, with Kessel. Um, and, and actually, there's now some doubt as to whether he was injured at all because 
the GM, Jim Rutherford, said that uh, he's been dealing with injuries all year, and he I basically that, said, yeah. I think I think they kind of caught up to him at, in the playoffs, was what, what uh, the GM said, Rutherford. But Mike Sullivan, mm-hmm. his quote, he was dealing with, Phil Kessel, was dealing with bumps and bruises just like other guys. It was nothing significant, I can tell you that. I feel like it's in oh, the boy. middle between those two. I feel like it's in the middle. Like you could, you could well, see in his shot. Like it had no, um, it had no velocity. It, it just, it just wasn't the same. His, his burst wasn't there. I feel like I just, I just, I knew, I knew I could just tell he was playing hurt. I agree with you. He did not look 100. percent But I still think the fact that his coach was not willing to admit that he was injured and somewhat throwing him under the bus is a pretty big deal. And we're discussing could Kessel be moved this summer? There's there is some kind of issue between Sullivan and, and Kessel I can take from this quote. It is. It is. Yeah, I, I it really sounds like um, it. His streak was um, a big thing. Apparently, uh, they didn't want him playing in the last regular season game. And he's like, no, I want to because it is. As, um, as someone don't know, he has an Ironman streak that's been going, I think, for what? Uh, six Over almost 700 games now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's probably why. I, yeah, I think and that's, that's something that a coach, a coach would say, you know, thinking more of yourself than actually resting for a game and getting ready for the playoffs. Uh, that could actually, you know, come down on the wrong side of the coach. Sullivan might have uh, been a little bit angry about that. And, you know, because of that, not willing to uh, throw any defense uh, Kessel's way when uh, when questions came up about him. Yeah. I could definitely see Sullivan saying, well, if you're if you're good enough to be in the lineup, if you're good enough to continue your streak, then I'm not going to defend you when asked about whether you're injured or not. You're you're good enough to be right. in the lineup for your streak, so you're not you're not injured. Is is perhaps mm-hmm. what's going on here. But uh it's it's something that we can't ignore when discussing will Kessel be with the Penguins next year. My guess, absolutely. I think he will be. Um but will he finish his career in Pittsburgh? I don't know. I do think that there is That's something question, to yeah. this quote. There's something to this quote. Yeah, I'm not sure he does either. He's already at the wrong side of 30. Um, yeah, I'm honestly not sure he finishes his career there. Yeah, I, you know, it, it sounds like there's a – you got a lot between the lines that you can read into that quote, so – and I think you guys have, have hit it pretty well. Yeah. Uh, real quick on, on Chris Letang, there was nothing to nothing between the lines there. Uh, he's another guy that there's trade rumors, but I seriously doubt he's moved. Uh, nothing but glowing uh, praise from, from Sullivan, from Rutherford, and from Letang's fellow defensemen. He did not have a good season, did not have a good postseason. It was it was inconsistent, kind of like the team, to be honest, all season and all postseason long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he was returning from a neck injury, major neck surgery, lots of back-to-back games early in the year, was never able to get his feet under him, to have a good game. And then the next day, you know, he probably shouldn't have been playing back-to-back days. He was, and then put together a poor game and, and never really – Built any confidence? Uh, I would expect a much better 2018-19 season from Latang. I think he'll be with the Penguins. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a great article from um, Adam Gratz on it. Like his value is such an all-time low. So I mean, if you're the Penguins, you bet on him returning to that top five, top ten defensiveman level that he was just two years ago when he had that amazing right. playoff and amazing season. Well, yeah, I agree. I, think I agree. I think we've covered about as much of the Penguins as we can. Um, it was a great season for them. Uh, you know, it's unfortunately it fell short the way it did, but but you got to give them credit for what they were able to put together. Um, yeah. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll stay in Pittsburgh. Um, Andrew McCutcheon made his uh and uh made his return to Pittsburgh last night and 
the fans really showed him how much they appreciated him during uh, during his time in Pittsburgh. So we will be back in just a minute on WRSP's Weekend Sports Huddle. Einstein and Moo is Jennifer Millius' exciting new children's book series about two black and white cats who are brother and sister and have great adventures. The first book, Einstein and the Leap, is all about playful Einstein. Suitable for children of all ages and cat lovers alike, Einstein and the Leaf is a wonderfully written and illustrated book that will capture your heart. Buy your copy of Einstein and the Leaf today at www.rspwatchpad.com, Amazon, or Barnes & Noble Nook. And we're back at Weekend Sports Huddle. This is Tom Tolland. And we're on with Dave Holcomb. And is Hunter still there? No, Hunter dropped. Hunter dropped off. Oh, you didn't even <laughs> say goodbye. I'm hurt. Oh man! Wow! Wow! He, he didn't want to say talk goodbye. Jeez. Oh man! You know, you know, kids these days, Tom. You know that you know they're on their their computers, their social media, and you know they just they're just socially awkward. They forget to say goodbye. Yeah, I'm telling you. Um, Hunter, it was great having you, and we appreciate the contribution. And even though you didn't say goodbye, uh, don't worry about it. We are not uh, We're not hurt. We're not uh, offended. Uh, we will get over it uh, at, at some point. Um, it's going to be a rough weekend, but, you know, we'll be okay. You know, don't worry about it, Hunter. We'll be okay. So, but, Dave, do you think that laid on the guilt trip uh, enough? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think you hit okay, it. I just good. hope, you know, he, he he better go back and listen to the show later, and, and I hope yeah, he hears this. he's better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Heading over to baseball, I guess we're kind of done with hockey for the year because both of our teams are out. Uh, but yeah. Good thing we got. Good thing we got baseball to turn to. Andrew McCutcheon, fan favorite, um, just uh, like a leader of the Pirates for so many years, uh, heads back to Pittsburgh. This, uh, well, last night was his first game. And really got a very warm reception from fans. Everybody was glad to see him back. Uh, How did it feel for you to see uh, McCutcheon back? even though it was in a enemy uniform now? Um, I mean, honestly, it, you know, it was close to bringing a tear to my eye. Uh, it, it was very emotional. Um, McCutcheon was a special player, is a special player, um, and, and should hold a special place in, in Pirates history. Um, I think Trevor Williams had a great quote uh, saying that he was the Pirates at, at one point. And, uh, no, they had some other good players when they were going to the playoffs with him, but he was their leader. He was their franchise, uh, face of the franchise. And I, I'm I'm still very sad, Tom, that he won't finish his career there, that he won't spend his whole career in, in black and gold. Um, that, that makes me very sad, but uh, I don't hold any ill will towards him. Uh, I, I think he loves the city. He still has a home there, uh, his wife and kid live in, in, in the north suburbs in, in Pittsburgh. His his kid's name is Steel. He named his kid I think that summarizes I didn't know that. his relationship with uh with Pittsburgh. Just the, the, the name of his kid. So um yeah. just spe- spe- spectacular person, great baseball player and uh I, I, I know to uh to the athletic this week he, he kinda made it clear he's not from Pittsburgh, he's from Florida. I guess that's still where he identifies himself from, but he's a Pittsburgher to me. He, 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 and I think he's a Pittsburgher to a lot of people, a lot of Pirate fans. Well, yeah, I, you know, after nine years uh, and and so many great seasons that he was able to put together, uh, you know, that that goes without saying. I mean, and, and he, as I say, he was the face of the Pirates for a long time before they could you know, before they finally climbed into playoff contention and and uh, became the team that they were for, for three or four years. But, 
you know, McCutcheon's one of these guys, and I have I have favorites on just about every other team. You know, the Cubs are my team, but right. there are fa- certain favorite players on every team in the league that, you know, I just enjoy because of what they do, the way they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're incredible talent. And Andrew McCutcheon was always one of those to me. Uh, probably my favorite player on the Pirates uh, because of the kind of guy he was. And yeah. just a lot of class. Yeah. And, but, boy, you know, you hated to face him when he came to Chicago or when the Cubs went into Pittsburgh. Uh, but, right. you know, he, he was someone you you could stand up and, and uh, cheer for and, and be happy for when he, he made whatever milestones he could put together. So, you know, I was sorry that he had to leave Pittsburgh, but, you know, one of the things we had to look at, though, he's struggling this year, um, was that was that trade really so, I don't know, so, you know, maybe they did better with the trade than, than they would have uh, with McCutcheon signed again. Um uh, He's only he has three home runs. He's hitting two forty eight, um, and, and really struggling with uh, Giants so far. I think he'll get going. Uh, he's always been a slow starter. If you look at his splits, his April stats are are always pretty bad. And recently, he hasn't done very well in May uh, either. But usually around Memorial Day, middle of May, Memorial Day, he heats up, and then I, I fully expect he'll hit you know two seventy five, two eighty with 20 to 25 home runs. Is that MVP like he used to be? No, it's not. Um, but he's still a, I think, uh, all-star worthy player. Um, it's just, unfortunately for him, it's hard to make the all-star game when you have a bad first month. Um, and that's kind of what he's run into the last few years. But to your point, I think you're, you're right. You're on to something. Um, I think if the Pirates had, from the start, said we want you're going to finish your career here no matter what we're going to sign you then it would be a different story but because mm-hmm. the pirates tried to trade him a year ago remember when we covered that and it was we thought it was a foregone conclusion he was going to the nationals um yep and then last minute it was like no we'd rather have adam eaton and that shocked both you and i um they would rather have eaton than mccutcheon but um and then he came back to Pittsburgh, and, and last year, uh, I think him with Garrett Cole, at least this is what I've been reading this spring, that both said the right things, that both both of them mm-hmm. still loved their teammates, but they didn't. They, they, they had such a disdain for the Pirates organization, for ownership, poisoned the well, that it kind of really hurt the yeah. locker room. And... Um, they don't. The Pirates don't have any of those guys right now. Everybody wants to be there, and and not that McCutcheon didn't want to be there, but it just you could kind of tell even that he was just kind of disappointed that you know I'm not going to finish my career here. And when you know that, when you know that you're going to move on at some point, it's almost better to just get it over with, move on immediately. And I think that maybe is why the trade has worked so far. That. They got they got rid of Cole and, and McCutcheon, um, tried to get some pieces back to help them. Colin Moran's been great from the Garrett Cole trade. Um and, mm-hmm. and the locker room is, is, is more like it was in twenty fifteen when they made the playoffs. Um and, and that's helped them early on this year. Well yeah, does, does right that now they, Yeah, it does. It does. Um and and that's the thing. Once you're no, you've been on the trade block for a while, and it, it goes back and forth, and you're pulled, and you're back on the team. It does player eventually because, yeah, you know at, at some point you are going. It's almost become a foregone conclusion, and, and it yeah. could weigh on your mind. So Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we forget that these guys are, are, are human, but think about when, when, when you've been through a situation in a job, I'm not saying you, Tom, I'm saying listeners where, where you were unsure if you were going to stay, uh, you were unsure if they were going to keep you because there's budget cuts or something. And you're worried about your family. You're worried about your kids. You know, baseball players go through the same thing. 
and he mm-hmm. was worried about where he might land, where where his would his family like that team? Would it be a team he could win at? Whatever, and um, okay. it, it could affect his play, it could affect his attitude, and and I think having that burden kind of gone from the locker room has helped the Pirates' performance. So I I miss McCutcheon so much. It pains me he's not wearing black and gold, Tom. But for the team, I think it because of the way the Pirates handled the situation last year, I think it was the best uh, decision to trade him now, to trade him before the 2018 season. Yeah, I agree. I think it got to that point where you had to get something for him and, and move forward. So, and. But, you know, it, really, if you look at it, and I hate to say this, but it really hasn't hurt the Pirates this year. Uh, Corey Dickerson has, has provided quite a lot of pop in, in the Pirates lineup. And, you know, the Pirates are in the thick of things in the National League uh, Central so far. Yeah, imagine that. You know, we thought they'd be a uh, 95 loss team, and eh, it could always turn for the worst, but. So far, so good. Above 500, uh, much better start than last year. Um, and and you know, all you can ask for is is, is for them to compete. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. The Reds are on a four-game winning streak. I think the Pirates and Cubs got to look out for them now. You know, every team right now in the National League Central is on a winning streak. Cardinals, Milwaukee have won two straight. Pirates, Cubs, and Reds have won four straight. This is a heck of a division. <clears throat> this is not going to be and an easy division to win this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know this this is gonna this is gonna play out very interesting all summer. And you know, as a Cubs fan, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think this is going to be a fun summer. So we're gonna take yeah, one too. more break. Huh? I, I'm looking forward to it too. Absolutely, and I, and I say that yeah. tongue in cheek. The Reds are not going to win the National League Central. Oh they no, have no, 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 <laughs> no. They they are going anywhere. They're they're in Miami, San Diego range. So right, right. but the other the other four teams <laughs> for sure they're in play, and that makes it exciting. Yeah, it's going to be a heck of a run. All right, we got to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to get to the Crosstown series between the Cubs and White Sox. Try to make some comparisons um, between what the White Sox are doing right now based on what the Cubs did to build uh, their their winning, uh, their, their championship team. So we will be back in just a minute. This is WRSG's Weekend Sports Huddle with Tom Powell and Dave Holcomb and the Hunter um, Hodes who just, I guess, Willis Soft didn't want to say goodbye to them. But we will be right back <laughs> in just a moment. Do you have a business, large or small, and you need some marketing help? Then RSP Marketing Services is the marketing firm you need, offering a wide variety of marketing services and consultations. RSP Marketing Services can build you a professional website, produce video or radio commercials, draft and distribute press releases, Create printed marketing items such as business cards, flyers, signs, etc. Manage your social media and so much more. RSP Marketing Services offers an a la carte selection of marketing tools so you only buy what you need. Our team of professional graphic artists can create stunningly professional marketing materials tailored just for you. See our website www.rspmarketingservices.com for more information. That's www.rspmarketingservices.com And we're back on Weekend Sports Huddle this time, following along with Dave Holcomb. We have time for a caller if you want to get in and uh, discuss the Penguins, maybe discuss the Pirates and Andrew McCutcheon. So give us a call, 516-387-1417. This show is brought to you by author Marcos Accio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe. That will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosaccio.com. Also remember, follow the show on Twitter, WKD Sports Huddle. And you can also find us on Facebook at Weekend Sports Huddle. Give us a a like. Join the conversation. Love to have you. All right. The White Sox and Cubs playing their first 
series this year, uh, the Wrigley Field portion of the Crosstown Classic. Uh, and the White Sox are in the second year of a rebuild, trying to do what they saw the Cubs do uh, early in this decade, uh, where they kind of tanked down, uh, got some high draft picks, got some quality players in their farm system, and which led to uh, NLCS in 2015 and a world championship in 2016. So, uh, But it, it's really tough road right now for the White Sox because they're the only team in the major leagues at this moment that have not won 10 games. And the Cubs slammed them 11-2 last night on Wilson Contreras' uh, bobblehead day. And Mm. it's it's funny. Wilson Contreras, you didn't think, you know, he really hasn't been around a long time yet. And here's a guy who's getting the bobblehead day. (laughs) Every, so, everybody gets a bobblehead day now, but but the bobblehead is great. <laughs> yeah, you know it's true. I only have one, but uh, <clears throat> I wish I had more. Uh, bobbleheads are great; they're, they're a fantastic thing. So I got a uh, I won it in a contest actually. Glenn Hall, uh, I don't know if you know him, uh, Blackhawks goalie in the uh, early sixties. Uh-huh. Uh, I got a Glenn Hall bobblehead. So he was a goaltender for the Blackhawks. So oh, that's, that's awesome. kind of neat. But, yeah, I would love to have a, a Wilson Contreras. They show him in his catcher's gear. And in honor of uh, his bobblehead day, uh, Contreras had a grand slam, seven RBIs, and also picked off uh, Matt Davidson at second base. Uh, after Tyler Chatwood had walked the first two batters in the third inning, uh, it was uh, Contreras' arm that that got them out of the got them out of that uh, that threat. So, and the Cubs, you know, again went on to win eleven to two. Um, I don't know, you know, I know you you don't hear much about the White Sox out of Chicago. Um, but we got a lot of teams that are doing this now. They seem to be following this model that Theo Epstein established in Boston and in Chicago, trying to, you know, get prospects in the system, trade some established regulars, kind of suffer through a couple of years at the bottom of the league to eventually get better and uh, have – players in your system that can come up and, and eventually put you in contention. What do you think? Do you think this is still a viable way of building a team or I don't, I don't know why. What's your take on that strategy? <laughs> well, I guess I do think it's, it's a strategy that could work. I mean, Cubs have proved it worked. I think the Astros proved that it worked. Um, those two teams were were pretty bad for a long time, especially the Astros. I remember yeah. the Astros being, you know, a hundred and ten lost team. Um, right. But it's but it's not good for the game. I, I will say that uh, it's not good that the Orioles are are two eighty nine win percentage and, and they're done. They're they're fifteen games back already. Their season's over. Mm-hmm. And it's May twelfth. Um, you know, the Chicago White Sox. Uh, 257 one percentage. You mentioned only nine wins. I mean, this is pathetic. It's two wins per week so far. It just, I, I feel bad for the fan bases of those teams, and, and, and maybe it'll pay off in the end. Um, I'm not sure the Orioles are, are following that, that strategy yet. Um, maybe they're just bad. I think the same with the Reds. They, I think yeah, they're just, I think they're they're just bad. bad. I think the Reds, yeah, are the Reds tanking? I just think the Reds are really bad. Um, but uh, tanking, I've always thought that tanking is not good. And uh, it was kind of always an NBA thing. And is it leaking into baseball? Maybe. Um, but I would say that I, I hope it doesn't just because uh, I'd rather have every team uh, trying to win. And I think that could be why we didn't see much free agent market, much movement in it, right? We talked about that a few months ago and, Right, because you can you can tank and 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 uh, tanking helps you. 
why would you spend all this money on a free agent and, and win a few extra games and still finish in last or, or fourth and uh, when you could you could be worse and, and that helps you in the long run and then and you don't spend your money either. Um, but I don't think that's right. good for the game either. That's not good for veterans. See, and and I don't think it is either. And you know, one of the things that gets me is it seems like boy, you hit the age of thirty, and unless you're you're a real superstar, you're struggling to hang on with a team. Um, you know, and that's the thing. That's a lot of what happened this last off season. Is a lot of these guys who. who are on the wrong side of 30, about well, you know, that's become a phrase now, the wrong side of 30, which is, mm-hmm. to me, is a ridiculous phrase because, you know, back in my misspent youth, I mean, that meant that a player was, was in his prime, that you yeah, were getting the right. best years out of a player. <laughs> and that should and still now, be their prime. <laughs> it doesn't change. I agree. It, it's amazing that it's changed like that. But you know, I and, I think it's rough, and it's one of the reasons why I got tired of the NBA. You know, because you're not tanking? getting a very good product. Right. Yeah. So, and now the yeah, White Sox. I don't Sox, think they're at that point yet, but yeah. You know, the White Sorry, Sox. Go ahead. Uh, they do have a lot of promising young players that they brought along and that they still have in their minor league system, uh, especially a couple that uh, they picked up from the Cubs in the Jose Quintana trade, talking about Eloy Hernandez. Uh, Hernandez. Uh, you know, there are some good players on this team, but, you know, White Sox fans are still going to have to struggle to, and, and wait a long time to see how this, this develops because they've been playing some very sloppy baseball this year and have not been yeah. playing good baseball. And that's the one thing you want to see out of younger players is playing uh, good fundamental baseball. And that'll at least tell you that, that you got a team that is eventually going to get better. But if you're not playing fundamentals, um, it, it's hard to be optimistic that, that you know, these guys are going to get to where they need to be to make you into a contender. That's the big thing that sticks out to me too, from, from a outsider's perspective, someone that doesn't watch the White Sox very often. Um, you knew that this wasn't a team that was going to win a division this year. Uh, but you thought that this would be another building block towards uh, getting, getting back to the playoffs, getting better. Um, and it seems like they've taken a step back. That uh, the the rebuild maybe is going to take even longer than than I thought. I I, I thought um, you know maybe by next year they would be really competing, but um, hasn't haven't really seen anything for me to think that now, at least in the first six weeks of the season. Yeah, um, and you know. My problem is I don't have a lot of interaction with, with White Sox fans on my Twitter, on social media, or, you know, at work or anywhere else. So it's kind of hard to get an idea of where they fall with how this is developing. You know, the Cubs went through a couple of hundred lost seasons before they started uh, climbing the ladder back into contention. So, you know, part of it is a matter of patience, So part of it, is, you know, sometimes you wonder as you're being patient and trying to see these guys come back, is are they going to reach anywhere near the potential that you you project them to? And and that's the difficulty I see with this kind of building program. Is you're trading veterans based on potential or or for potential? Yeah, bringing in players based on potential. Because you understand how, you know, not, you know, what, about maybe a quarter, 30%, 40% of minor leaguers actually have a successful major league career. A lot of times, you know, a lot of teams use their minor league system to bring in players to help them win. Uh, Now you're betting on that 
you've scouted well enough that you're you're bringing players in that are gonna gonna put you over the top eventually. So it's it's a rough way to build, and yeah, the Cubs succeeded at it, but that's no reason to believe other teams are going to succeed at it. I think the other interesting thing about this strategy is everybody thinks it's going to turn you into a dynasty. And, look, the Cubs have been a very successful team, but only have won one championship so far, uh, and it looks like they're going to be competing with three other teams for their division this year. Uh, The Dodgers, Mm -hmm. right? We thought they were the super team last year, and they would be back even though they lost the World Series. They're in fourth place right now in the National League uh, National League West. Um, So, and the Astros, they're off to a good start. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we thought the Mets would be a a super team. They had so many young pitchers, and they haven't been back to the playoffs since going to the World Series. So, you think that you're setting yourself up for uh, you know, years and years of, of, of winning World Series. And, and I'm not saying the Cubs are, aren't going to win another World Series. They very well could. Uh, the Astros could. The Dodgers could turn around this season. But, you know, it doesn't seem like that it results in a dynasty, you, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. like, like you, you think it would. Um, I, I, find that, I find that to be interesting, that uh, yeah. uh, you think you're – you're going through these losing seasons so that you can win multiple championships, set yourself up with so many young players. And it's still very hard to, to win multiple times, no matter how you do it. Yep. Yep. Now, one more thing I want to bring up today. Um, again, we had a little bit of drama with you, Darvish. And it seems to be happening quite a bit. And, you know, you hope on past track record he could pull out of this, but I went on the disabled list this week and just to miss one start uh, because, you know, it was reported that he was very sick with the flu and the Cubs wanted to bring up a pitcher to start uh, in his place. So that's why they put him on the DL because your 10 day DL actually makes it possible to make those kind of moves. Um, Right, yeah. But, you know, one another thing that, that came up um, this morning is now that Darvish is not going to be on the mound Monday when the Cubs make up a, a game against the Braves at Wrigley Field. Uh, Jose Quintana is going to be pushed up a, a day and make that start, and Darvish will start on the next road trip. So, yeah. This is some because they they feel that Darvish is in a position where he's going to get booed, and it, it seems like the question that's coming up is, you know, what is the mental makeup of Darvish, especially coming off of last year's, um, you know, problems that he had, you know, against the, the Astros. The Astros, yeah, I'm sorry. But, you know, the problems he had against the Astros and now trying to uh, start the season in Chicago has had a very shaky start. So it, it makes you wonder. It, it really looks like the Cubs are really trying to coddle him and get get his head back into the game. And you wonder, a guy with his kind of background, what's gone wrong with him? Yeah, that's the question that you know we we cannot answer <laughs> because if we could answer it, I'm sure the Cubs could too, and they're they're, they're searching for answers. Uh, calling yep. him is an interesting strategy. I do think that is better than calling him out in the media, and and maybe Madden didn't call him out, but Joe Madden made it pretty clear that he didn't think Wilson Contreras was the problem, his catcher. Wilson Contreras, what? Uh, I, I read exactly. quote. Yeah, I, I read a quote that Contreras kind of told, kind of said that you know Darvish let up in one of his innings in one of his starts recently with two outs, and uh, it led to a couple of runs because he lost focus after getting the second out of the inning. Uh, so you have mm-hmm. Contreras calling him out a little bit in the media, and, and Madden maybe a little bit as well. I'd rather see them coddle him than than do that. I mean, you've invested a lot of money in this guy. 
Uh, you picked him yeah. basically over Jake Arrieta, right? So uh, the world, your World Series hopes aren't pinned to this guy, but boy, it's going to be a lot harder to win if this guy doesn't become an, a legit ace again. So you got to everything you can to, to support this guy. Yeah, and, and you, you know, a lot of fans thought that maybe bringing up Chris Jimenez, who was Darvish's catcher in Texas, might help him. But that, and that's why Manning came out and said, uh, "No, it's not the catcher." And you know, if John Lester could get used to working with uh, uh, Wilson Contreras after having his own personal catcher for years, and David Ross, you know, yeah. It's not Contreras. It's definitely not Contreras that's contributing to this problem. And, you know, I'm really worried about – I'm a lot more worried now than I was before about uh, Darvish going forward. Uh, We could talk about this a little bit more next week. Uh, We'll see how Darvish does in this next start. I think we will have more to talk about next week. But we are out of time. Uh, It was great having everybody here on Weekend Sports Huddle. This is Tom Pollan along with Dave Holcomb. We are we will talk to you next week at ten AM Eastern Time. Everyone have a great week.